It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now pushing the limits, here's Brian Shapiro. Alright, what's up everybody? Is it hump day today? Yes, it is. I know Justin looks forward to hump day every hump day. day. Yes, it is hump day. Wednesday in Vegas, it's NFL draft week. Oh, yeah. But there's a few things going on in the world in Las Vegas. We've got the NFL draft. we got Tiger Jam. Tiger Woods is in town. What doesn't happen in Las Vegas? That's what I want to know. Well, I'll tell you what does happen here. It's pushing the limits. It's PTL time. I am Brian Shapiro, and I am so glad you are joining us. Of course, broadcasting live on KSHP on the dial 1400, and we are streaming live on my social media, the Facebook page, Pushing the Limits, my Facebook page, my Twitter page, which is Pushing Limits LV. And as I say, you can see why I have a face for radio. So check us out on there. And we have a fun show lined up for you today, man. Sometimes I lie. I'm being honest today. We got a good show today. Anybody who plays poker, anybody who watches poker on TV knows who the poker brat is. Arguably the best tournament player uh, in the history of poker. He's known as the poker brat. His name is Phil Hummuth, and he's going to be joining us on the show in hour number two because we got a little poker controversy going with him. Somebody mistreated Phil Hummuth. Somebody was rude to Phil Hummuth. Now, Phil Hummuth is usually the guy that's rude to everybody else, but uh, Phil kind of lost his cool a little bit, so we're going to talk about that coming up. And he blocked me on Twitter, by the way, too. Very rude. Did he at least unblock you? Like no. You? No? No. He, oh. The, the poker brat... Blocked me. Yeah, he blocked me on Twitter. Ridiculous. Yeah. Really, really strange. Why am I hearing some audio being you, played you, right you now? You heard me because I was sharing the feed. Like, oh, okay. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, am I hearing things? Do I have... Yeah, do you, I, you, you, you just heard yourself. All right, all right, fair enough. Well, that's really... That's very troubling. I don't want ever want to hear Voices myself. Yeah. I'm one of those people. I don't like listening to myself or certainly looking at myself. Uh, ask most women. They would probably agree with me on that one. But we got a lot. We got a lot going on today. Uh, so Phil Hummett, the poker brat, is going to be joining us in hour number two. That's going to be a lot of fun. Lovely lady joining us in studio who's running for governor. Uh, she's sort of an independent, even though she's running as a Republican. A lot of issues to get to with her. Her name is Amber Whitley, uh, and her website Amber Whitley for Gov. And uh, I'm going to talk to her about Steve Sisolak and some of these right-wing buffoons, as I like to call them, uh, conspiracy theorists out there. COVID isn't real, and Donald Trump won the election. Going to ask her about that. So we'll get to her in studio coming up at the bottom of the hour. And just coming up here in a few minutes, we're going to be speaking with NFL great Robert Oban, who also not only did he win a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers, but he also right now currently is the NFL vice president of football development. So a lot of questions to get to with him. So we got a jam-packed show. We got a lot to get to and a lot to talk about. I was just uh, on the Internet, and uh, we know this story happened uh, a while ago, right? I don't even know how many months ago this happened. But uh, I want to say maybe eight, nine months ago. I don't, I don't even know the exact date of when uh, the Alec Baldwin shooting took place. But we haven't heard a lot from Alec Baldwin. We haven't heard a lot from anybody that's on set. But for the first time today, TMZ has released some video. And it's video of Alec Baldwin on uh, police body camera footage speaking 
to law enforcement literally minutes after the shooting took place, including uh, some people that were on set as well that were responsible for the guns and the bullets that were on set. And it shows what I already knew. This was an accident. Now, sometimes accidents happen, but it doesn't mean people shouldn't be held liable or criminally charged. Alec Baldwin is not one of those people. He picked up a gun. Obviously, he didn't think it was loaded. That is the job of others that are on set. It's not the job of an actor or an actress to pick up a weapon and check to see if a gun is loaded or not. Those, that's the responsibility of other people that are on set. So in this video that you can see on TMZ, Baldwin obviously looks uh, it up, shaken up, uh, as does the person who was responsible for putting the guns on set. She looks very it up as well. And... It goes to what I said from the beginning when I heard about this situation. There were people on the set that were responsible to make sure that the set was safe. They did not do so. Now, do they deserve to be criminally charged? This woman lost her life. It's a terrible story. Do they deserve to be criminally charged? Perhaps. Don't know. The problem that Alec Baldwin has had and still has is that uh, he owned a share of the company that was making this movie. So he can be found liable financially, not criminally. But when you watch this video, you could see everybody, they're emotional, they're in shock. This poor woman, uh, at that time, they didn't even know she'd lost her life. They were trying to transport her to the hospital. So I would imagine, imagine if you're on set or you're Alec Baldwin. Imagine if you see somebody. Imagine if you see somebody Get shot like that. I mean, I would—I don't know about you guys, but I, I would be in utter shock. I would be in complete shock. So when you see this body camera footage, obviously people are struggling to get words out. They're struggling to talk. You see Alec Baldwin sitting there asking for a cigarette, and, and he's, he's cooperating. He said, I'll do whatever you guys need me to do in talking to the police. But everybody's in shock, you know? And it's horrible. And it goes to show you that Life is short. Life is very precious. You never know. You, you have no guarantees. I mean, I was driving over the weekend at Sahara and Las Vegas Boulevard, and I was having dinner with my friend. It was kind of a late uh, week after birthday with somebody that I didn't get to celebrate my birthday with, a very good friend of mine. And we're driving back from the restaurant, which was at the Westgate. Went to the steakhouse out there. Great place. They don't sponsor my show. I'll still give them a plug. Heck, they don't even give me discounts there, but that's okay. So I leave the Westgate, and I'm passing Las Vegas Boulevard in Sahara, and I see there's an accident. And this was before the police got there. This was before any ambulances got there. And I see a guy lying face down on the ground, and I see a motorcycle there, and I see a car that he had hit, which was obliviated, which is bad news for the guy that was on the motorcycle. And I saw him lying face down. Clearly, he was not alive, and without getting extremely graphic, there were body parts on the road. And when you drive past stuff, like that's not something you see every day. That's not something you, some people ever see. And, and when, I, when I see stuff like that, you know, it, it makes me think about a lot of things that have happened in my life, but it also makes me think of, you know, you have no guarantees in life. You know, this poor woman that was on the set of this movie, you know, she's very young with, with, with kids. And when people try to turn things into political, 
I talk about COVID on this show all the time. I try to not make it political, but when so many people on the right share conspiracy theories about COVID, and look, there are people on the left that do that as well, but when I hear these conspiracy theories, it gets me very, very upset. And it's never going to get better until we call that stuff out. So listen, life is precious, man. I know we have I know we have the NFL draft week in Las Vegas. Let's all try to have fun. Let's all try to treat each other with respect. And it's a wonderful thing. And the guy we have with us on the line right now, he's a former professional NFL player. He played at a University of Louisville. Offensive tackle. He played for the Browns, the Buccaneers, the Chargers. Won a Super Bowl, by the way, with the Buccaneers. And now he is the NFL Vice President of Football Development, joining the NFL Director of Health and Safety back in December 2014. Uh, Roman Ovid joining us right now on the line. Roman, I appreciate you coming on. How are you? Thank you very much, and uh, apologies about yesterday. Oh, no, no problem, Roman. We made, we made it. Not a problem, Roman. I appreciate you coming on. Um, I, wanna, I guess I could start by asking you this question. If I told you six or seven years ago that not only Las Vegas would have an NFL team, but we would have the NFL draft here this year, what would you have said? I, I, didn't, I wouldn't have believed it. Uh, but if you, if you look at the NFL, and, and I, I came in the league my first year when the draft had left. New York in the traditional sense and moved to Chicago. And then you started hearing about the draft moving to Chicago. Then we went to uh, Philly and then moving around different cities. And, and I think it's a way to just galvanize the entire NFL community. Uh, not every team gets a Super Bowl, obviously, but Vegas is uh, it's definitely a great city and it's been a great community. And I'm definitely appreciative. I've been here probably six times alone this year in Vegas. Oh, uh, wow. In the Pro Bowl and yeah. all those things. Yeah, so I, I love, love Vegas. What do you think of the stadium? What do you think of Allegiant? You know, everyone says the same thing. It's it's bigger than you think when you actually get in there. It looks really small from the outside, but it's just that whole spaceship, the the like the what's the Dark Vader Death Star thing. Like, like it's just you walk in and you're like walking into a spaceship, and it's yeah. It's just it's just it's awesome how modernized these stadiums have become, and obviously SoFi Stadium in in, in L.A. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it's it's a beautiful stadium. It's a great location, and uh, I'm glad the uh, all the parties, uh, including obviously Raiders organization and the city and the whole community have worked together to make it work. Now, I want to talk to you, of course, about the NFL draft and the wonderful work you're doing as the vice president of football development. But I got to talk to you about a few unfortunate stories that happened here in Las Vegas, and I want to get your thoughts on it. I mean, let's start with Henry Ruggs. I mean, when you first heard this story of this young man and the decision that he made, I want to know what went through your mind, and have you had any interactions with him? Uh, No, I mean... You know, it was just an unfortunate circumstance, and um, I think you just don't want to ever make a mistake or put yourself in a position to make a mistake that, that leads to that extremity in terms of, you know, a, a death or, a, you know, a loss of life. Or I mean, you're talking about people that are getting get affected forever throughout the history of their family's life, you know, because of this incident. So it was just, you know, just pray for the kid and, and you just pray that, you know, he was a good kid in Alabama, no prior issues, you know, didn't have any, there's no long history of, of issues, and so I just... Pray that he and his family are, are doing okay, and that he's, you know, that he'll he'll come out and it's okay, and, and, and at some point, and, and then pray for the, the victim's family as well. Do you believe Roman that if you make that kind of mistake and you take a life while getting behind the wheel of a car drunk, that when you, if you serve your time when you get out of prison, that you should be allowed a second chance to play in the NFL? I, I think we should all be allowed second chances in life, uh, in general, and and obviously the. 
that's going to be up to the process in place whenever he does get out. And, and I, I just, again, uh, this world is built on second chances, whether you're a CEO or a high school teacher or whatever, and you just hope that. And obviously, look, as a pro athlete, um, this issue was, was magnified um, um, for sure because a young kid is, you know, obviously made a mistake. But uh, I think everyone deserves a second chance, but you just got to let the legal part, you know, play itself out and, and, and then go from there. Understood. I mean, I guess I'll take it a step further and ask you this. Do you think there's any crime that anybody could commit where you would say to yourself, that person does not deserve I, a second I, chance? I, I, I'd rather not answer that. Okay. Honestly, this isn't okay. Fair enough. Under, understood. Fair enough. If you're just joining us for speak of the Robin Oban, uh, former Super Bowl champion, by the way, with the Buccaneers, I, I have to ask you, uh, you know, you've played for some great teams. You've got some great players that you've played against and played with. Roman, who would you say was the one player that you did not look forward to playing against that you're like, oh, no? Well, it's funny, um, <clears throat> you know, when I was when you're younger, when I was younger as an offensive lineman, you know, I played against John Randall and played against you know, Bruce Smith and the guys that were those guys, you know, the Aaron Donald, so to speak, of back then. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as I got older, those guys got older, and then they were out of the league, and then the young guys came. And here comes Dwight Freeney and, you know, some of the Javon Kirst and some of those younger guys. And so the game has gotten more athletic. Um, I think I, I just respect everyone that plays. You know, I played against Warren Sapp and, and then been teammates with him. Hmm. And be getting a sack for our offense on third down than me having to block him on third down. So... <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I, I think it's uh, everyone puts in that work in the league, and it's yeah. such an honor to, to play in this sure. league. And, and I, I definitely appreciate the years that I played. Warren Sapp is quite the personality. You know that better than anybody. What is like the weirdest thing that Warren Sapp said to you? Like whether it be in a practice or in a game that you recall? Uh, you know, just you know, Sapp had that that Miami, you know, panache, if you will, if I could use that word. And so um, he would always, you'd always think he'd line up off sides and he'd put his hand on the ground. He'd jump, you know, he'd jump, he'd jump the snap count. He, and he'd say, hey, man, if you swipe the credit card to be approved, man, I'm not, I'm, I'm not over the line. <laughs> so he said he'd crowd the line so much that if you swipe the credit card, it, it would be approved. So that was, I always remember that. I love that. I love that. Um, what do you think about video replay? Uh, do you feel like it, it, it stops the game too much? Uh, what were your thoughts on that with, with all the challenges and, and all the replays and all that? I, I actually think the NFL has done a very good job uh, with what they've done. What, do, what are your thoughts on the replay, and how would you have handled that as a player? Well, I, I think because of technology and everyone has access to the same you know amount of technology on their phones or what have you, and then, but you know, it makes everyone think they're an expert, and, and fans are passionate, and, and, and I think as technology has advanced, you, you, there's still the... the, the the, the human error, the naked eye, and some of the things that have happened. I, I think replay is a good thing. I, I think it's we're always changing and evolving, whether it's overtime or whether it's playing rules. And, and I think it's it's things that are you know collectively voted on by all the teams. And so mm-hmm. you're not going to go into any season with any surprises. Sure, so sure. It, the coaches, coaches, uh, officials are, are trained up because they have to implement the rules on the field, and mm-hmm. players have to adjust it's their playing style. Sure. So understood. I, I think one of the you know NFL way to play like really emphasizes like proper playing technique, not slamming players to the to the ground defensively, you know, just being a good sport and still allowing an athletic and competitive game. I think that's what everyone Absolutely. looks for. Absolutely. You know, Roman, I won't ask you Colin Kaepernick questions. Don't worry about that. But I do want to Please ask don't. you this. I, I support players as I'm sure you do 
taking a knee. I don't have a problem with it. I, I, I think peaceful protests are, should be totally allowed. And I'm glad the NFL, by the way, is allowing players to do so. But what do you make of the division? I mean, there, there, I shouldn't say there's a lot, but you know there are people out there that have said some very bad things, including our former president, about players taking a knee, which I thought was disgusting, by the way. Uh, what do you make of the division we have now? Because I feel like taking a knee, especially for what they're trying to do, which I, I think you understand more than anybody, uh, is is a good thing, not a bad thing. Look, I, I think the, the country has been divided on a lot of issues. And, and, and look, if you look on Instagram, or there's more fights in the stands. There's more fights right. on planes. And people are just angry, you know. And, and I think what is pandemic and the culture that existed, you know, over the last few years, you know, whatever that is, um, you just you just pray for healing, man, in this country, and mm-hmm. you just want people to just, hey, you and I may not get along, we may not vote for the same person, we may not, whatever, we may not, but we're both human beings, we both need to be treated with equal respect. I think if it, if it starts there, I think you said something like that before I got on. Yeah, I, uh, did. I didn't know what you were talking about, but I, like, I, I think if it starts there and ends there, then I think we can all be be, be better, you know, as as, a, as as human beings. Agree, um, agree. I'm an African American male, and and you know, and I I grew up a certain way than than someone else from another culture, another race, you know. But again, uh, this world is 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 the way it is for a reason, and I think we all have to recognize everyone's contributions and. No matter what the differences are, uh, or race, creed, sexual orientation, whatever that is. Could not agree with you more, uh, Roman. Appreciate that. Uh, do you think there's anything else the NFL can possibly do to get more people that are black to be head coaches in the NFL? Because I think they're doing everything they can. Uh, when you have the owner of an NFL team, he's going to hire who he wants to hire. I think it puts the NFL in a very difficult situation, and I don't think the criticism, especially as of late, is fair. Uh, what do you make about that? Well, I think what we do is just monitor the process and make sure that it's fair and equitable, that everyone's getting an opportunity to to um, to interview uh, for the job. And it's not just coaches. Coaches, GM, front office executives. I mean, the ruling rule is expanded, as you know, um, to include women. And, and again, um, every owner has to, has to um, you know, make the best decisions for who's going to lead their organization, their sure. franchise. I and mean, you have to respect that. Sure. Um, I, I know there's a, perspective, there's a perspective that, that it's it's it, it becomes trendy who the coaches are when they were, you had a lot more defensive minded coaches you had Herm Edwards and Tony Dungy and, and Mike Tomlin uh, when he first got to Pittsburgh and, and Lovey Smith and there was that era the defensive guys it's now more quarterback heavy and, and more quarterback driven mm-hmm. you you have more white coaches that are come from the offensive co- coordinator ranks and and all that stuff so some people people have had different perspectives about what the reason is but honestly all we can do is just is make sure that we're developing coaches where 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 and I feel good about the rules that are put in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we just have to continue to build from the ground up. And I think Tony Dungy or, or any Mike Tomlin, I think they would agree with that. You have to continue to develop your yeah. your quarterbacks, your play callers, your coordinators on both sides of the ball. Agree. A couple more quick questions for you, Roman. And we really do appreciate your time. If you're just joining us, NFL great Roman Oban, Super Bowl champion, played for several teams in the NFL, had a great career. And now he's the vice president of football development for the NFL. All right, Roman, let's have a little bit of fun here. I have to ask you this with your football experience and background. Who would you say, in your opinion, is the best football player of all time, any position, and who would you say is the best football NFL coach of all time, in your opinion? Best football player of all time? Um, it's either Jerry Rice, Jim Brown, maybe Lawrence Taylor is a close third. Uh, one of those three. I don't know. It's hard. And, and, and as an offensive player, 
do you vote for the offensive player because I said Jim Brown, or do you say the guy who disrupted offense? <laughs> so right. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's probably one of those three. Yeah, maybe 1A, 1B, 1C with uh, Jim Brown, Jerry Rice, and Al Lawrence, too. So if somebody said, uh, Roman, you're not putting Tom Brady in that equation, what would be your response? Well, you know, I, I love Tom Brady. Now, he's definitely the greatest quarterback of all time. Right. His Super Bowl wins, his longevity, all those things. He's, you know, whatever the Nolan Ryan of this modern era of uh, football. Um, did he change the game? Did he change the way defenses were? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that you may have to ask coaches about that. Did you game plan differently because it was Tom Brady? Or was he so smart and so sharp at dissecting everything that he just capitalized on mistakes and then he ended up... I mean, he won more games 24-17 than lost them. You know, and I That's think true. Tom Brady definitely deserves credit, but yeah. If you look at the last, and, and Tom Brady will never say that he's one, he's the greatest player of all time, and that's what right. makes him such a great player. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. So with I, you. I respect that too. I agree with you. Yeah. Best quarterback of all time is very different than the best player of all time. I'm with you 150. percent Best coach of all time. Who would you put up there? You know, I grew up in Washington D.C. You know, and, and a former former Skins fan, now the Commanders. Uh, I love Joe Gibbs. I love the old school guys. I love Marty Schottenheimer. I love those guys. But I would say. If you could win in this modern era of free agency and, and guys moving around rosters, it, it, it's uh, I would probably put Bill Belichick in that. In Fair that enough. Discussion. All right, let's talk about why you're here in Las Vegas this week before I let you go. Let's talk about the NFL draft. What are you looking forward to? Obviously, being here in Las Vegas, uh, it's a huge celebration, right? You guys have so many great things that you've already done that are, that are still planned for this week, great things within the community. What are some of the things, Roman, that, that you're really looking forward to here in the next couple days in Las Vegas? Well, it's, it's just the fact that, like, I was an early third-round pick, and so I didn't have to wait too long to get my name called. But just your, your life changes, and it's, it's you're really here. And, and I think sometimes when you look at these kids, they they have all these shows, and they're predicting, you know, everyone's strengths and weaknesses and who's going to go where. And, and, and you forget the fact that you're here because you're a great football player, and you've earned the right to become a professional athlete. And I think your, your life, your whole life changes in the next 24 to 48 hours. And I think we can't forget about that. Mm-hmm. Um and, and whether it's Aiden Hutchinson, Kevon Thibodeau, I spoke to, you know, Jermaine Johnson, the Florida State defense. I mean, I, I've, I've spoken to all these, you know, these young, young, uh, guys today. Talked to Andrew Whitworth, who just retired and talked about just playing that long and just respecting the game and respecting the preparation. Uh, I, I love seeing that. I love seeing people hug their families, moms crying. I mean, I love that part. But again, the real work starts after they get drafted. And, and I, I love them all to have long careers and play a long time and, you know, create legacies for their families, and, and, and that, that's what it's all about. I guess this would be my last question for you, Roman. What do you remember? You're a young kid being drafted at a University of Louisville by the New York Giants in 96. Since it is draft week, can you share with us that moment, and what do you remember, Roman, about that day when you were officially drafted and you you know your dream came true and you're, you're a professional football player? What do you remember about that day? The funny part, so I was I was expected to go like late first to second round, mm-hmm. and then I you know I went early third. So my mom didn't have ESPN two. Um, <laughs> it just came ESPN two came with basic cable. So I told her, make sure going into April you just at least sign up for for the full premium cable, and then you could get rid of it after <laughs> May or whatever. And she didn't do it, and, and she uh, second round goes, and now there's no ESPN two, and I'm just sitting there like like not knowing what's going on. Um, and then my uncle calls me like 15 minutes into the third round. He's like, look, you, you just got to, I think the Giants just drafted you. I was like, what? And then I was like, wait, hang up. Cause maybe they're, they're, then someone was calling the other line, and it was the Giants, uh, a director of football officer, somebody who said, hey, you just got drafted by the Giants in the third round. 
And so I was upstairs in my mom's room, just like kind of sulking a little bit. And uh, and then I walked downstairs really close, like, "Hey guys, I'm going to the Giants." Everybody's like, "Oh!" And we start screaming. So they, they were happy. For Your me. mom didn't get the subscription. I just think that's that's absolutely hilarious. That's funny. I never knew that. That's hilarious. Do you did you give her crap after that? The cable. I told her I would pay for her cable bill. She's like, no, I just want regular. I just want to watch the five o'clock news, and that's it. You know, that's all I care about. So, like, do you so, still give your mom. do you still give your mom crap about that? Do you? Do, I mean, do you still over the years have you said, mom, you know, I just want a Super Bowl? Do you remember that day where you refused to get ESPN two? <laughs> she 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 thinks it's funny. Like, it's a badge of honor. Say, like, well, see how you turned out. So maybe it was bad luck. Had I got it, you you may have gone to the seventh round. That's like, all right, mom. Never mind. Oh, my God, that is so hilarious. Well, Roman, I'll say this. Uh, the NFL is very lucky to have you as the vice president of football development. You're obviously doing a great job. And uh, storied career you had, of course, the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. Really appreciate you joining us, taking the time. Love to have you on again down the road. Uh, maybe preview a Super Bowl game or something with you. That'd be a lot of fun. But, uh, Roman, I really do appreciate your time. Have fun here in Las Vegas, my friend, and I appreciate you. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much. You got it. Uh, that is Roman Oban, uh, Super Bowl champion with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, uh, of course, the NFL vice president of football development. Look, we talked about a lot of sensitive subjects with him. Some he didn't want to talk about. Obviously, the the Henry Ruggs situation is not a very pleasant thing to talk about for anybody associated with the NFL. And I totally understand that. But I think that he made some very valid points there as well. And I don't know if I'd call it a mistake getting into a car going 155 miles an hour drunk. A mistake. To me, a mistake is when you lock your keys in your car. But he makes a valid point. You know, nobody's perfect at the same time. Uh, What Ruggs did was, well, listen, while it might be involuntary, he killed somebody. Uh, It's funny, though, when I bring up Colin Kaepernick, did you see, did you hear his reaction? I'm like, don't worry, I won't ask you any Colin Kaepernick. He's like, please don't. These guys are so sick of answering questions about Colin Kaepernick. And no, I do not believe Kaepernick will be ever be back in the NFL. I don't think it's going to happen. Just too much drama. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be joined by Amber Whitley. If you don't know who Amber Whitley is, she is running for governor in the great state of Nevada. She's going to be joining us next. As you know, I talk to a lot of candidates on this show, and Amber Whitley is one of them. I look forward to meeting her. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this with Amber Whitley. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Right. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Wednesday. So glad you could join us. By the way, I'm going to be at Sapphire Gentlemen's Club. I'm going to be there Friday doing my show live at the pool. We're going to have some very special guests there. Uh, by the way, Thursday night, which is tomorrow night, uh, Terrell Owens is going to be there. They're doing their NFL draft party. Uh, check them out. Uh, good place. Good atmosphere. You got a little. Is that a little? That's a, a great intro. Great intro for our next. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Good music. I like it, Justin. I like it. Anyway, let's get, club music. let's get serious. Let's get serious. Now, well, you know what? I did go to the Chippendale show once. I've taken some dates there. All I'm, I'm going to say, it was fun. It was fun. Anyway, we do have a lot of political candidates on this show from time to time. Uh, we've had Stavros Anthony uh, in studio. Uh, we had Van Miller in studio yesterday. Sherelle Mendenhall's been in studio. And I enjoy talking to different candidates. Well, Maybe not all candidates. Uh, Joey Gilbert, I I did kind of enjoy insulting him because he deserved it, but he insulted me too. (laughs) But the lovely lady we have in studio with us right now, uh, her name is Amber Whitley. Uh, She is running for governor of the great state of Nevada. Her website is amberwhitleyforgov.com. 
Amber.com. Amber, I appreciate you being here. How are you? Thank you. Talking. Well. To, don't be bashful. Talking <laughs> to that microphone. <laughs> I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. By the way, you, you, I enjoy having you in here because, you know, I have to look at Justin every day. So this is a nice change <laughs> of pace. Anyway, uh, give people a little bit of background, who you are, where were you born, your education, and uh, just a little bit of background on your life, if you can. Um, I was born here in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm uh, currently a construction worker through the local 357 Electricians Union. I'm a mom. I have daughters. I am an average, everyday person. Married? No. Okay. Uh, How many kids do you have? I have three daughters. Oh, cool. How old? They're 15, 10, and 4. Well, those are some interesting ages right there. (laughs) So you're a pretty busy mom then, huh? Five years apart. I like that. Cool. Okay. What made you decide to get into, put your name in the hat, so to speak, and run for governor of Nevada? What made you decide to do that? Like many others, I'm getting tired of watching our home in a Mm -hmm. downslope. We are just spiraling out of control, and I felt like it was time to stand up. You're running as a Republican, right? Yes. But do you consider yourself more of a, because we spoke a little off the air, you consider yourself more of a middle type person. Yes. Okay, so do I. So the gray we'll, area. So we'll probably agree on a lot of topics. All right, let's start with the big one, and I have to bring it up, Donald Trump. He seems to be the face of the Republican Party, even though he's no longer the president. What do you make of him continuing to spread what I would consider, and I think most with the big lie that he won the election? Do you believe that Joe Biden won a free and fair election? I guess that's my first question. I believe that the election was not rigged. I'm not into conspiracy theorists. Well, that's refreshing. (laughs) It happened the way that it happened. You Mm -hmm. can call for recounts on votes. You can start pressing lawsuits. We've already been down that road. We're we're done with that. That's in the past. Then what do you you make of, I agree with you. What do you make of the fact that so many people that are running for governor, your opponents, are not only not willing to admit that Joe Biden won a free and fair election, but they actually believe Donald Trump won. What what do you make of that? So many of your opponents feel that way. I I just don't follow it. I don't listen to it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. You're right. I'm going to be honest with you. I would never vote for anybody. Well, they lose me. When they say Trump won the election... What do you make of, you know, I ask people, Republicans, and I ask them this question, what do Republicans stand for these days? Because I really don't know. And so many of them say voter integrity. And I say to myself, if Donald Trump won in 2020, would you be talking about voter? They're so full of crap. Am I wrong in in making that assumption? You're right. You're right. So if you're in a debate with somebody, let's say it's Joe Lombardo, for example, and Joe Lombardo refuses to answer that question. Uh, hypothetically, uh, I don't know what his opinion is right now on it, but if he looks at you and he says, no, Donald Trump won the election, what would you say to him in a debate? I would tell him he's ridiculous. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I would completely tell him he's ridiculous. There's, it's on paper. You know, Everything's gone through. It's ridiculous. It, mm-hmm. it makes no sense. You had a, you, you, you've met Joe Lombardo before, right? Yes. Okay, so you were on a stage with him recently. Uh, in tell front me of the stage. Yes. Tell me what happened. Um, I walked up to him to shake hands, and he turned. He saw me coming. So when they announced that I was running for governor, this is, and we also have Amber Whitley for governor of Nevada. Mm-hmm. He made the most awful face to his table. Why? It shocked me. Now it's we have we are not 
you know, Republicans. We're not Democrats. We're not independents. We are human beings. Right. We are all there to serve a greater purpose, correct? Why would We're he, running for these positions to do something better. Have you guys ever had run-ins prior? Why would no, he make a face like that? I've never met him So before. he doesn't shake your hand. You put your hand right. out to shake him. You've never met him before. He completely walked away to the elevators. He left the whole venue. So. Did you ever? Did you get any type of explanation why he made that face and didn't shake no, your hand? Why I, do you think he did that? I got a lot of apologies from people saying, you know, that was embarrassing, but it was more embarrassing for him. It was disrespectful for him. What a classless thing to do. But you I know agree. what? I'm going to be honest with you, Amber. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised based on something. I, I do not like uh, Joe Lombardo. I think he's classless. He lies. I believe he covered up a lot of stuff, what happened on October 1. Uh, I don't blame him for what happened, but uh, I do blame him for the ridiculous, some of the ridiculous press conferences and withholding information. I understand it was an ongoing investigation, but I do not believe he showed true leadership. So you're not going to get me defending Joe Lombardo. I'll tell you that right now. And by the way, his police officers never seem to be accountable. I believe the overwhelming majority of cops are heroes. They're good people. I I am, I am pro Black Lives Matter, but I also am pro blue. I'm pro police. I think the overall majority of of police officers are great people. But I also think we could also be Black Lives Matter as well. We'll get to that. There are bad people in every group. Sure. It doesn't matter what race, what field of work. There are bad people in every group. Agree. What I don't believe Lombardo has been doing is holding the few police officers accountable. Example, the Jorge Gomez shooting. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But uh, downtown Las Vegas, Jorge Gomez, no evidence that he pointed a weapon at a police officer. In front of the federal courthouse, by the way, where there are cameras everywhere and body cameras everywhere. The only body camera footage they've released is Jorge Gomez running away from the police officer, not pointing a weapon at the cop. Cop shoots him and kills him. Zero accountability. And that's where I have a problem with Steve Wolfson. I have a problem with Lombardo. The few situations where I believe the police officers need to be held to account, I think Lombardo has failed this city in that. Would you agree with that? But, yes, I would. How would we bring that out, you know? Mm-hmm. How, how could we bring it out? It's yeah. always a cover-up after a cover-up. It's no, I wasn't there. No, I didn't do it. Nobody is willing to take account- mm-hmm. accountability for the things that they're doing. All right, let's talk about Steve Sisolak. You are running as a Republican, even though I, I can see the fact that you're a middle-grounded person, which I appreciate. I think we need more people like you in politics. I think there's too many extremes on both ends. Let's talk about Steve Sisolak. Um, before I give my opinions, I want to hear yours. What are your thoughts on him as governor? Criticisms, things you think he's done, positive, negative? I think... We don't, I don't live in the past, so we shouldn't go as far as past. Mm-hmm. Right now, current events, um, a little bit of past. Throughout the pandemic, what happened? He shut down mom and pop shops, mm-hmm. shut us down, us the people, mm-hmm. and left Walmart open. So don't go out in mass crowds. Don't spread the disease. But I'm going to shut down everywhere else that you can shop except for these select few places, bigger mm-hmm. corporations. So he completely screwed the mom and pop. The normal, the average, the middle mm-hmm. class, I think that he's failed us in in many categories. So on that point, um, I get your point. But if somebody would argue, well, wait a second, people need to get food. They need to get groceries. Uh, the places that were open for the most part were essential. Listen, I have criticisms for closing the mom and pop shots and opening up the casinos. I thought that was a huge mistake. For example, the bars. He closed down local bars, but yet casinos are allowed to be open. So I am with you 100% on that. That is a very fair criticism. But if one would say, well, listen, Walmart and grocery store need to be open because people need to get food and they need to get necessities, what would you say to that? Mom and Pops also, they also have other grocery stores that he closed mm-hmm. down. Right. So they had the items, the goods mm-hmm. that we needed. Same mm-hmm. thing, you know. Yeah, I think that's a fair criticism. Um, 
So would you have been okay if he just shut down everything when we were losing four to five thousand people a day? If he just said we're just going to shut down everything until the the counts go down, would you have been okay with that? In my opinion, I feel like it's a to each his her own. Go out and shop if you want to. Get the shot if you want to. If you don't want to get the shot, don't get the shot. Don't push your agenda on other people. So by leaving the stores open, could it have spread the flu virus more? COVID, you mean? Not flu. Yeah. COVID. Could it have spread it more? Possibly. But every day people get sick and go out into public. Mask up if you don't feel safe. Don't shut our whole economy down. People are now struggling. Businesses have been lost. We're losing our middle class right now. Businesses have been lost. You're absolutely right. But we've also lost people. Over a million people have died of the virus. My uncle passed away from it. I'm so sorry to hear that. I almost passed away myself. I was in the ICU for two weeks two years ago. So I get it. Uh, from a business standpoint, it's been horrible for everybody. I apologize for calling it the flu. No, no, that's okay. Was, that's okay. It was more. I don't. I know you didn't I mean. Lost family. To I understand. It, you know? I know you didn't mean to sound like Donald Trump. Yeah, that's no. okay. No, I, I, I understand that you misspoke there, but I get a lot of people that say a lot of things that you say about. Well, we shouldn't have shut things down. We would have given people a choice. I guess my thoughts are: I don't trust people. There are a lot of people out there that are going to be asymptomatic that yes. aren't going to give two you know what's about you. They're not going to wear a mask. So that's why I was okay with mask mandates. On that, he could have shut it down sooner, mm-hmm. and and broke the height that we went to with it. He could have shut it down sooner instead mm-hmm. of waiting till four thousand people have died. Mm-hmm. You know, shut it down right now. End it. Would you have been okay up. with that? Yes. You would have. Immediately, yeah. immediate shutdown, not right in the middle of everything. There's no question that as a whole, we were not prepared for this. There were mistakes made everywhere. Yes. We're human. I agree with you 150%. This was not handled properly. But I'm going to start in the Trump administration, and then we can look forward to, the, you know, go forward to the Joe Biden administration and then go back to Sisolak. Okay. I felt like... First of all, Donald Trump lied to us. He knew that this was five times more serious than the flu. He said that – was it Bernstein or the uh, interview that he did? Uh, Or was it Woodward? I don't remember. But uh, he does this interview, and then a couple weeks later, he holds press conferences comparing it to the flu, lying to the American public. It's going to go 15 cases down to zero, attacking people for wearing masks, using coronavirus press conferences as campaign – basically as a campaign ad attacking Joe Biden. Um, I thought what he did in those press conferences was utterly disgraceful. I thought America in a whole was disgraceful. Mm -hmm. My grandfather at that time had cancer, so we were masking up in the car. People are taking pictures of people wearing masks or makeshift masks. There's certain elements that people have that you should not, you know. I was wearing desk masks Mm -hmm. in my grandpa's house because we were out of masks. And he's a high-risk person. Right. And because you care about your family members. With or without the coronavirus, I would have still had to mask up because his immune system. Which makes makes complete sense to me. There are still people today that say masks don't work. Let them mask up in their car. Let them mask up in the store. To each his, her own. Let people live. And I agree with you. And I think mock, and by the way, Donald Trump on a world stage at the presidential debate mocked Mocking, Joe Biden. Yes. So inappropriate. Immature. Yeah. With that being said, were you not okay with the mask mandates? Uh, I mean, you have some people like Tucker Carlson, who's a complete fool, who ch- compared it to child abuse, having your kid put on a mask. You have Marjorie Taylor Greene that compared the mask wearing to Nazi Germany. Uh, those are extremes. Live but- and let live. If parents want their children to wear masks. Mm-hmm. They go to school, they wear the masks. If you did not prefer your child to wear a Mm -hmm. mask, my daughter, she was coughing constantly. She got an infection, a respiratory Mm -hmm. infection. So I opted for the homeschooling. 
So if you were elected governor and you were governor during this pandemic, what would have been your mitigating factors? What would you have done? You know for a fact that the governor got the news before any of us did. Even Mm -hmm. like world news, it came through him first. Mm -hmm. And then it was on our news uh, stations out here. Right. So I would have done an um, taken immediate action, immediate, not waited till you we're in the midst of long. it. Yeah. Yes. Do you feel like he's a follower of California? Yes. I think there's some truth to that. I do. Uh, what I don't like, and I'm not saying you do this. What I don't like are the Republicans out there that make the claim that Democrats did these mandates and did this because of power and for political reasons. And what I say to them is. Do you think a Democrat just wake, Steve Sislock just woke up in the morning and said, hey, I know how I'm going to get votes. I know how I'm going to get more support. Let's just inconvenience everybody. Let's force people to wear masks. And let's close down businesses. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Now, we can criticize like you have, uh, and I think you make some valid points. We can criticize some of what Sisolak did, but there are Republicans that want to attack Democrats and say they did this for power and they did this so they could remain in power and to me to be honest with you amber it makes absolutely no sense to me no we you know i'm sure he could have taken better steps and i'm sure he knows that as humans we make mistakes we're not you Mm -hmm. know robots Mm -hmm. um i think he could have done better in certain aspects but at that time he did the best with what he could Mm -hmm. in the middle of it in the beginning I would have instantly put a close down. Like, I wish the whole country did that. Yes. I'm with you. Uh, yes. I think we waited too long. I'm with you 100%. Uh, I still think it saved lives by, by shutting down the strip, but I agree with you. We probably should have taken those measures way before. I think the problem was, and again, I'm not trying to make excuses for the scientists and the Absolutely. doctors, but I do believe this was a pandemic that we have never seen before in yes. our lifetime. It was always evolving. We certainly know a lot more about it now. We still don't yes. know everything about it yes. now, but we know more about it now than we did back then. But I think that is a very fair criticism not just for Governor Sislak, but for Republicans and Democrats that are governors throughout the country. Uh, no question about that. We agree on that. So where we're at today, hopefully we'll never have to go back to those days of mask wearing. Uh, but you agree that to an extent, while masks are not 100% foolproof, uh, they do work to an extent. You yes, would agree with that? I agree that yeah. they do work to an extent, mm-hmm. yes. What do you say to these people out there that – are you vaccinated? No. Why? Tell me why. Um, uh, it was a choice thing. I just uh, – I didn't feel within myself that I wanted to be vaccinated mm-hmm. to each his, her own. I don't I saw a lot of people from both spectrums, you know, the vaccinated, the unvaccinated and everybody's fighting over get vaccinated or you're going to die. You're yeah. going to die with the vaccination. I was like, okay, well, I'll wear my mask because we were told, you know, wear your mask. If you want to go get gas, mm-hmm. you walk up to the store and you don't have your mask. You're not going in whether mm-hmm. you, you know, need gas or not. Um, I I just chose with myself to not get vaccinated and not vaccinate my daughters. Did you do that at the advice of a doctor or that was just your personal opinion? My that, personal. Um, so what would you say to somebody that would say, well, well, it is your choice and you shouldn't be forced. I, and I agree with that, by the way. I don't think anybody should be forced to get vaccinated. Uh, if you're working at a place of business that does say if you're going to work here, you have to get vaccinated, then would you have gotten it? I would consider it. You would consider it, I would consider but it, it wouldn't be an immediate, yes, I'm, I want to keep my job. I would take the vaccination. Let Not me ask you this. Are you – because I, I want to get inside your head here because you know how serious this this is. You lost a family member, yes. right, which is horrible. I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, sadly, a lot of us have stories like that. It's terrible. When you see what it's done to this country and half the world has taken the vaccinations, actually more than half the world, uh, very few cases of, of 
situations where people get the vaccine and they have, you know, blood after- clots and very possibly. right, very few. Yeah. And as you know, any vaccination is going to have a small side effects. Per- of, any, of anything, course, yeah. of course. So when you hear all that stuff, and I'm not <laughs> saying your kids should have gotten vaccinated because you know not many kids have lost their life. Sadly, Correct. a few hundred have, but yeah. which is a few hundred too many. It's horrible. So I understand your decision with your kids. I get that. But you as an adult, um, what was the reason why? I mean, I know it's personal choice. Was it because you thought it was dangerous? I'm just trying to understand why. Uh, when, when you hear all these stories of how it does save lives, and it has, what, as somebody who's running for governor, do you feel like that might be a dangerous message to people when they ask you, no, I didn't get the vaccination, my choice? No, I think that it's setting a standard for to each his her own live and let live mm-hmm. you know i chose personally not to get the vaccination i wanted to wait it out you know mm-hmm. there was a lot of people having a lot of issues with the vaccination i've personally had many issues with taking prescription drugs mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's where i sat on it mm-hmm. i did have the coronavirus twice the first oh, time did. was wow. it was yeah. you know pretty decent caused the dizziness and the rest of the symptoms um, fortunately, I didn't get the uh, bronchial portion. Mm-hmm. Um, the second time, it was less, lost the smell again. Um, there's a lot of people out there that think that we need to get these things to um, ready our bodies for them. You know, if you never get sick, once you do get sick, you're probably going to die. If you lead a whole life of non-sickness, we have to get in the dirt, like sending our kids out to play in the backyard and letting them dig in the dirt. We need these germs around us, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, two-thirds of this country have comorbidities, which is an issue. Uh, Unless some, you're high risk. Yeah, some not you your know. fault. Well, I got I got the vaccination immediately. I don't want to go through what I went through yeah. uh, two years ago. I would advise people, well, first of all, obviously the vaccines are very safe, Um I would tell people, and this is I don't I don't I don't don't take my medical advice. I say talk to your doctor that knows your personal. Absolutely. Uh, listen, if you're telling me you have issues with prescription drugs and your doctor doesn't think that uh, you should be taking the vaccine, then I totally support that 100. percent And by the way, I don't think anybody should be forced to get the vaccine. However, are you okay as someone who's running for governor? Are you okay with employers making that decision and saying if you want to work here, you have to get the vaccine? Are you okay with that? No. Why? Because I feel like people should be able to make the choice on their health, on whether mm-hmm. we feel within our bodies what is right for us. But if you're an, an employer, and I hear Republicans a lot talking about freedoms and don't want government control, why can't that employer make that decision? Well, you know, they own the company, so they can make that decision. Am I okay with it inside me personally? I don't like people saying, you know. But you're running for governor, and that's why I'm at. This isn't water cooler talk. You're a serious candidate, so if you become governor, uh, would you pass a law to not allow uh, employers to make that decision? No, you would not. If if, if they own the company, then that's their decision. Understood. You know, they're paying for the company. They're paying the people. I get it. So personally, you don't like it. Personally, I'm not okay with it. But I'm not going to run a law saying you have to or you cannot. But isn't that? I appreciate that. Isn't that? The issue with so many politicians these days is they only go by personal, personal, personal. I'm going to bring up Dick Cheney for a moment, if I may. Dick Cheney was anti-gay marriage and pretty much anti-gay until he found out his daughter was gay. Okay. And then all of a sudden, he's pro-gay marriage. Liz Cheney, who I respect for doing the right thing when it came to impeachment of Trump and all that, 
But Liz Cheney's another example who was anti-gay marriage. These are policymakers until it happens to them, yeah. and then all of a sudden they change. I, I think what you said is is very fair, which is, well, personally, I don't like blah 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 blah. But if I'm governor, I'm not going to put that into law. I'm not going to implement. Do you people. feel like right? Yeah. Do you feel like? Do you agree with me that there are just so many politicians out there today that don't have that logical approach? Yes. And, and I think it hurts our country. It does. Doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, the the alt right religious people uh, they had no problem they wanted to pack it in three four five hundred people in a church to pray even though we were losing four or yes, five thousand people a day were allowed open that's another ridiculous thing. but those were Republicans that wanted that yeah. not Democrats listen there's plenty of religious people on the left too but I believe they listened to the doctors and I feel like it was the alt right not not all Republicans but extremes on the right so you wouldn't you 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 wouldn't have allowed that to happen is that what you're no. saying if you were governor why tell me why. You know, it just falls into the to each his her own category again. I sit right in the middle in the gray area. You know, if you own a business, I'm not going to tell you even as governor because the first role of the governor or any government should be to help the people, right? Right. To be there with the people, sure. not to control them. So we're supposed to be the river to the people when you take on a, such a high mm-hmm. political position. Be the river for your people. Mm-hmm. I agree. Guide them, you know. Sure. And and sadly, some of those people that wanted to pray to God, uh, well, they can't pray now, sadly, because sadly, some of those people are six feet underneath the ground. Uh, I think you should be allowed to believe in whatever you want to believe in. You should be allowed to pray whenever you want. But I'm pretty sure uh, Jesus, and again, I'm not a religious person. I don't want to quote the Bible, but I'm pretty sure Jesus would have told you in the middle of a global pandemic yes. when people are dying, number one thing is safety. Pray at home. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, now everything seems to be going back to normal. But anyway, she is uh, Amber Whitley. She's going to be sticking around for another segment. Uh, check her website out, amberwhitleyfordgov.com, running for the governor of the great state of Nevada. When we come back, uh, I'm going to be talking to Amber about Black Lives Matter. I'm going to be talking to her about the January 6th insurrection. And then I'm going to ask her, what is the first thing she would do if she's elected governor of the great state of Nevada? Day one, what are you going to change? What are you going to do? So we'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You are listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Wednesday. I want to tell you about one of my favorite bars in town. It's Jackson's Bar and Grill located at Flamingo and Jones. You walk in there, you mention my name and the name of the show, say my name, and you get $10 free slot play. You sign up for a player's card. You get 100 points. You get another $20 in free slot play. They're still giving away uh, gas cards this month, $100 gas cards. I won one, by the way. It filled up my take once. Yeah. No, I think I have like $3 uh, still on the card. So ridiculous. But anyway, that's another story. Uh, well, maybe we'll bring that up next. But uh, Jackson's Bar and Grill, great food, great atmosphere, great bartenders. Please check them out. Tell them I sent you. Jackson's Bar and Grill, Flamingo, and Jones. Let's talk about that. We have uh, Amber Whitley joining us in studio. She's running for governor of the state of Nevada. Uh, Joe Lombardo refuses to shake her hand and makes dirty faces at her. Uh, I would imagine that's probably the faces that his wife makes to him at night. Anyway, uh, that was a terrible joke. I'm sorry. But uh, I'm sorry he treated you that way. But, you know, that's a scummy thing to do, and I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Have you ever met uh, Governor Sizzlock? No, I have not. You have not. If you did, what would you say to him? I would treat him like a normal person. I would shake his hand. 
So you wouldn't do, you myself. wouldn't threaten him in public? Is that what you're Hello, saying? Hello, my name is Amber Whitley, and I'm running for governor of Nevada. How are you? And I'm sure he would shake your hand because yes. he doesn't seem to be I a bad guy. You. We can, I mean, we can disagree, but I don't think he's a bad guy. Okay. What did you? Ma- I do not approve of the way that that man chased him down in the parking lot. He's right. a human being. Agree. Everything that is happening around him is not completely his fault. Agreed. I'm not sticking up for, you know, certain aspects. Well, the guy's a conspiracy what's... theorist. He said that he was hiding hydroxychloroquine and that his wife accepts money from China. The guy's a moron. He, uh, Sisolak is a human being. Sure. He, nobody deserves to be chased I down. wouldn't say to do that to Donald Trump. No. And I, nobody hates Donald Trump more than I do. Correct. But I, I, would, I would say the same thing. Uh, accost somebody in their family and walk to their car. The Absolutely Republicans in not. this town, some of them, the guy we had in studio yesterday, Vem Miller, called Justin Anders, the guy who threatened the governor, rad. I mean— what are we doing as a society when uh, people we, defend that kind of behavior? We are no longer human beings. Now we're Republican, Democrat, independent, everything else that people want to claim. And I believe we're that, not human beings anymore. And I believe that Donald Trump, I'm not saying we weren't divided before, but Donald Trump made it 10 times worse. I really do. He, Everybody that has disagreed with this man, he attacks. And I believe Donald Trump has divided this country politically more than ever. Do you disagree with that? I think a lot of people in political positions have done that very same thing. A lot of people. But to the extent of lying about the election, saying I, that Democrats cheated, uh, yes. the handling of COVID, we, there's plenty of blame to go around. And but. as a higher political figure, he should not have made a muckery of people, um, especially during the pandemic. Right. He shouldn't have mocked anyone. He should have acted you, like a bigger person. What do you make of that family? Melania Trump, uh, Donald Trump, uh, kids with three different ex-wives, uh, the cheating, uh, having unprotected sex uh, with a porn star after his wife has a child, paying her off. You know, when I talk about Donald Trump, I usually don't criticize too many of the policies. I criticize him, the human being. And I just think he's despicable. He's a despicable person. What do you make of him? What do you make of this family, his sons, his daughter? What do you make of it? Um I feel like, again, he was in a higher political position. He should have acted the part. He should have been our river and shown us how, guided us how to be better people and not all the rest of the stuff that he was doing because he felt like he could get away with it. Or, I'm Donald Trump. I can do what I want. I think that that was inappropriate. I think he's a narcissist. I think he only cares about himself and it's based on his behavior. And I could give you so many different examples. But I want to give you an opportunity to talk about something that is very important to you, which is education. But I have to start out with this. This It gets me so frustrated. Uh, it makes my head red. You know, When I talk about – when people talk about critical race theory, Republicans all over the place want to bring up critical race theory. I don't know if you bring that up, but my response to them is, can you name me one teacher in the Clark County? We have plenty of criticism for the Clark County School District, and I'll give you the opportunity to talk about that. Very fair. We have a horrible system here in Las Vegas, the school system, but it's not because of critical race theory. And when I ask these Republicans, they can't give me one example. I'm saying, why are you talking about it then? Let's talk about the school system. Let's talk about how we could fix the education. Very fair. How can we get better teachers? How can we get students to do this, this, and this? Let's talk about the curriculum. But is is critical race theory, is that something that you ever bring up? You know, the problem with the school system is funding. Mm-hmm. That's where it starts. That's where I found personally that it starts. Is with proper funding, we would have had better security on ground so certain teachers wouldn't have gotten hurt. And another thing, discipline with the students. Yes, it comes from home. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, these teachers are not safe with student, certain students because... They have a like a one, two, three strike law. They're letting the kids, 
even if they make a verbal threat to a teacher, they should not be allowed back to that school. Mm -hmm. Because from a verbal threat, what happens the next time they've put their hands on the teacher? Mm -hmm. Agree. That's happened. When they put their hands on a staff member, it doesn't matter what they are. If they are janitor, they should be kicked out of the school. That should be it. And let the students know that this is where we're at. That also, in turn, keeps the other students that are there Mm -hmm. to learn safe. Agree with you 100%. So you're not one of those people that brings up critical race theory. You talk no. about other times, which, which I can appreciate. But you know what I'm saying. Yes. You know, what, you know what I'm saying, Amber. There's a lot of Republicans that do. It's nonsense. It's complete nonsense. I think some of those things you bring up are very valid points. And, and this Clark County School District, and listen, education across the country could do better. I think a lot of it is parenting as well. Yes. Uh, and kids need to respect the teachers. Uh, yes. I think we need to te- teach certain te- pay certain teachers more money. I think there are a lot of great teachers. There's some bad ones too, but there are a lot of good teachers out there that are getting paid 30, 35,000 a year. It's despicable. It's crazy. We need these teachers. They yes. are they are teaching our future. Mm-hmm. These are children, of course, but they are our future. We need these doctors. We need these l- lawyers, of course. You know, mm-hmm. We need the scientists. Yeah. We need everybody. What do you think should be the average pay for a teacher in this country? Um. High school, to, elementary, you know. I'm not really sure on that. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't seen the salaries based on, you know, Numchuck, when look they that first up. come in. Or, <laughs> what's, the average, you know. what's the average pay for a teacher? Not necessarily in Nevada. Do some work over there. Stop drinking your Dr. Pepper and do some work. <laughs> uh, I want to know what the average uh, salary for a teacher is in this country. I'm going to guess it's somewhere around 40 $40,000 a year. Uh, that's just my guess. I don't know either. Uh, but I ask you this because you're running for governor and you're, you're very of passionate. Course. You're very passionate, uh, of course, about education, which which I can appreciate. You no, know that um, we taxed cannabis mm-hmm. to bring – this was one of the reasons, and this one made me heartfelt, to bring money in for the education system. Mm-hmm. What happened? I've seen nothing. The teachers that I've talked to mm-hmm. have seen nothing Nothing come of it. My daughter doesn't have a science lab. She wants to be something great. She believes she's going to find the cure for cancer. Let our children dream. Give them the fundamentals. Give them the opportunity. Like we tell kids all the time, you can be anything you want to be, but we're not going to give you the tools to succeed. Agree. We're just going to tell you, you can be what you want to be, but we're not going to teach you how. I agree. You don't have to be a Republican or a Democrat to agree on this. You know, I just stop it with the critical race theory and the extremes. Let's speaking of extreme. I got to bring this up. Don't say gay, Bill. I know a lot of people don't like me calling it that, but that's what it is. Uh, Governor Death Santis, as I like to call him. Uh, basically, if a first or a second grader raises their hand and says, you know, I have two mommies or two daddies, what does it mean to be gay? Well, I do not believe a teacher should be explicit. No. I don't think there's anything wrong with a teacher answering it by saying something like, sometimes men are attracted to men, sometimes women are attracted yes, to women. I agree. But, but this bill, so we agree on that. Yes. And, and I also, we agree extremes. I don't think that's being taught, but in the, in the instances where it is being taught, uh, we, we would agree on that. It shouldn't happen. But this bill that DeSantis has put in place does not even allow a teacher to answer it in that way. If a teacher answered in that way, they would be fired. Do you agree with this don't say gay bill? Okay. uh, There's certain ways as adults that we should and shouldn't talk to children. Don't bring up anything sexual with them, of course. Mm -hmm. These are little babies. Mm -hmm. You know, don't talk sex with them. Some people have two mommies. Some people have two daddies. And just leave it. Leave it. It's okay to love who you want to love. 
Yeah. You know, let everybody's them know that different. Everybody is different. You let and I'm people okay. love. And I think that is a very appropriate way of answering it. But you uh, know that what DeSantis put in his language, they can't even answer the question like that. And I don't believe – I think this is political. I believe DeSantis, everything he does is political. Anti-mask wearing, don't say gay bill. What do you make of this ridiculous – and by the way, the average uh, salary for a teacher is a little over 47000 a year, which isn't horrible by the way. But that's I, average, but, but that's, that's not speaking of everyone exact, else. That's exactly what I was just going to say. You took the words out of my mouth. I don't think any of these teachers should be getting paid under 40000 a year. I agree. But as you know, in some districts, maybe not Las Vegas, but in some districts, they are. So I, I, would you agree that there should be like some sort of cap on, on the minimum that a teacher should be paid uh, in Clark County? Yeah. Absolutely. Whether it be 40000 or 50000 These are our babies. Yes. Do you I, know that we rank 49th terrible. in America? Why? Why do we rank 49th? I, and yes, I did know that. Why? It is. It's everything. It comes down to funding. We're losing our teachers. People are not caring anymore. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it, it in total it breaks down to. They're not being paid enough. They're getting abused, used and abused, mm-hmm. and nobody is helping them. So day one, yes, Amber Whitley. Day one, you're elected governor. What are you going to do about education? What changes are you going to make within the school system, particularly right here in Clark County, so that we're not 49th anymore? What do you do? I'm going to go over our taxes out here. I'm going to look and see where we can pull more funding from because, and also look into the cannabis industry. It says that um, somewhere of 10% of the revenue was supposed to be pulled off and put towards education. We need to get better pay for these teachers. That's going to in turn drag more teachers out here and bring them out here to care for our students. The average hourly pay, this might shock you, shocks me. For a teacher in Clark County is $17.46 an hour. That is pathetic. For a full-time teacher, that's somewhere around $35,000 a year because you just double it, if my math is right. That's too low. Is Have it you not? seen the pay for a paramedic? Is it, is it bad? Yeah. What, what's the yeah. pay for a paramedic? I, it's a minimum wage to start, correct, still? Oh, my God. That is. Are you serious? Yes. You, you need a lot of medical expertise to be a paramedic. We, you can't just sign we up. We need them. We need teachers. These people are not being paid enough. Everybody's leaving Nevada. Our teachers are leaving. Our classes are overcrowded. Yeah. Well, that's it's, an issue. I did not know we that. Are that is spiraling. That is absolutely now. horrible. Again, if you're just joining us, Amber Whitley, she's running for governor of the great state of Nevada. So we talked about the don't say gay bill. Uh, let me get your opinions on maybe some social issues. When I say Black Lives Matter and we talk about Black Lives Matter, what's the first thing that enters your mind when you hear about that? I think that a lot of people got very hateful during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. That's the first thing that enters my mind. A lot of people went crazy for no reason. We should not have turned on each other during the pandemic. When you hear about the movement, what enters your mind, the Black Lives Matter movement? I'm not talking about the cases of violence because, as we know, there was a small minority of people uh, in the tens of millions of people that protested. There were people that did some very bad things. I've never spoken to anybody that agrees with violence or, or that sort of thing. I'm sure you don't either. But when we talk about the actual movement, like when we see what happened to George Floyd, uh, you know, Philando Castillo, for example, when we see and, and hear about these cases, what do you think about that? Do you believe there is systemic racism out there? I believe there is racism out there. Absolutely. I think it could, everything could have been handled better. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people shouldn't have been killed in the manner that they were, mm-hmm. especially no evidence producing weapons. They were just killing just to kill because they're in a higher power. Yeah. When you, when you hear of 
you know, the Ahmad Aubrey case where he's just jogging uh, down the street, didn't commit any crime, no evidence to support that. Yeah. Uh, and these three white men basically lynch him. That was a lynching. Uh, and then it's not, but it just doesn't end there. The police hit it under the rug. And everyone at the top hit it under the rug. Yes. How many of these cases have happened that we don't hear about it? The only reason why those people were brought to justice because that third moron, the white guy, uh, Roddy, I believe his name mm-hmm. was, recorded it. If there was no recording and he didn't release that recording, those three people it would have been swept under the right. rug. Right. So yeah, I think when so you agree when when black people talk about systemic racism, that wouldn't have happened if Ahmaud Arbery was white. When when you think of it like this. Mm-hmm. When you've had enough, what happens to you? you? Any normal person will just blow up. Right. When you've had enough. Who That's, are you speaking to though, is, in this situation? When the people have had enough. Who? What people? This is what happens. Any any of us here. Yeah. Any of us here, whether it be race based, the Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. When you've had enough, you've had enough. So I believe that's why they created the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. because they have had enough. Well, I think Martin Luther King, if you go back in the day, uh, you know, I think people had enough of having to drink from different water yes. fountains and sitting in the back yes. of a bus and, and don't even get me started with that stuff. I do think some of the creators of Black Lives Matter uh, took advantage of the situation. Extremists. Yes. Know. There there are eight or ten people that in created. every group. No question. Uh, and I don't like to talk. Uh, that's uh, a lot of conservatives and right wingers want to talk about Marxist and, you know, uh, they're all Marxist when tens of millions of people that had nothing to do with the creators of Black Lives Matter. There's maybe eight or ten people that took advantage of it. But I would like to think a bunch of people, I was one of them, white people, black people, people of all sorts of different colors were at these Black Lives Matter protests for the right reasons. Equality. They saw what happened to George Floyd. Yes, George Floyd wasn't a great guy, but that has nothing to do with those nine minutes. I'm sure you would agree with that. There were a a lot of hateful people running around and, you know, playing the part like you were just saying. Mm -hmm. You know, they were extremists. They weren't really there for the movement. They weren't Mm -hmm. there for the purpose. Mm -hmm. So they're just every group, every group. Police officers have their groups, paramedics. You know, I've not seen a lot of horrible teachers, you know, myself personally. Mm -hmm. But every group has that group of extremists that's going to use it to their benefit to get what they want. Like breaking into stores, you know, looting. um, It shouldn't take away. Right, exactly. But nobody would condone that. But it it certainly certainly shouldn't take away from the tens of millions of people that peacefully protested, uh, who I applaud. January 6th, Donald Trump, does he hold any responsibility for what took place on January 6th? I'm not too sure about that. I'm not too sure. Let me ask you this question then. Let me phrase it differently. If Donald Trump did not say for months before January 6th that he won the election in a landslide and the Democrats cheated and Joe Biden was not a free and fair elected president, mm-hmm. do you think January 6th happens? You know, that's it's making me think conspiracy theory right now, to be perfectly honest. Uh, what I'm saying is a conspiracy you think? No, I'm oh. saying like if people are thinking – if Donald Trump had won, mm-hmm. would this have happened? We can't. I'm not a psychic. Well, I couldn't really tell true, you. True, but but my question is, if he wasn't spreading the conspiracy theories, which is he won the election in a landslide, yeah. do you think January 6th happened? The reason why I ask that is because the overwhelming majority of people there that were arrested, the six or 700 people that were arrested, the 140 officers that were injured, people died that day. 
I don't believe January 6th happens at all. The reason why they were there is because they tried to overthrow the outcome uh, of the election in 2020. That's why I, that's why I asked that. Uh, let me open up the phone lines. Let me see if uh, anybody out there wants to give us a ring. 702-221-7283. Again, the number to call, 221-7283. Uh, we are joined by Amber Whitley. She is running for governor of the great state of Nevada. Has three daughters. Of, I'm sorry, what, would you, what did you say their ages were? I, I forgot. 15? 15, 15, 10, and 4. Uh, so you, you, you live a pretty busy life with, with raising three daughters. That, that's very cool, though. Um, and the number to call if you want to ask her any question that we've discussed, 702-221-7283 is the number to call. Are there any Republicans, or I should say anybody, that is running for governor besides you, running against Steve Sisolak that you support. And, and you could say to yourself, you know what, if that person wins, I could support them. Anybody out there that you actually like? Because okay. I struggle myself. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I mean, I've met, I've met a majority of them. I think that there are some good people running. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't agree on every point. I have my points, just like you have yours. Um, there are good people running. I'm not going to name call, but I, I've met almost all of them it's my job so, to name call yeah. there are some good people and there are some right-wing buffoons i'll leave it yeah. at that all right let's take some phone calls 702-221-7283 she's amber whitley running for governor of the great state of nevada let's go to joe hi joe thanks for calling in you're on with amber hi i have a question you mentioned uh, you were talking about education and how uh large clark county school district is clark county school district runs all the way from mesquite to laughlin and it's huge and uh I keep seeing uh, reports that Nevada is, you know, 48th or 49th in education. Uh, If you become governor, what do you plan on doing to uh, help alleviate uh, this problem? I know a lot of people are circling around breaking up the school district or even adding more charter schools. What would be your your plan to uh, relieve this problem? I agree with that. I agree with breaking up the school district for sure. I do believe that that would alleviate some of the stress from our districts. It, you know, we could break it up. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. Again, number to call, 702-221-7283 is the number to call. Again, 221-7283. She's Amber Whitley. She is running for governor of the great state of Nevada. What other things would you do on day one? Uh, we talked about education. We've been down that road. Uh, anything else you would want to change or do on day one uh, uh, if you become governor? I would definitely look into our taxes. Um, there are a, there's a long list. We could sit here for a whole nother hour. If you guys mm-hmm. had me back on, I yeah. would really enjoy it. Um, definitely, I would I would go over our taxes. I would see where our money is coming from, where it's going. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as people keep asking me about tax breaks and small businesses, I would definitely have to do an audit on our system, our tax system out here in Nevada. Why is it I hear always on the alt-right, uh, many Republicans, tax breaks for the rich? They want it, They say they're for middle-class people, but tax breaks for the rich. And it seems like uh, all the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies are the one getting the tax breaks. Um, I don't agree with the tax breaks for the rich, mm-hmm. you know. I'm middle, lower class. So you're not for that. Yeah, I'm for mm-hmm. the blue collar, mm-hmm. everyday working. Gotcha. You know. Something we didn't discuss. Uh, I know you're my body, my choice when it comes to the vaccines, which I have no problem with. What about abortion? I'm 
pro-abortion as well. I think that uh, women, even medically, they're trying to uh, take abortion away for medical reasons as well. Some women cannot carry. So you are a Republican yes. who is okay with women making their own choice and yes. getting an abortion. Well, wow. You are a breath of fresh air. I will say Thank that. Uh, again, that number to call, 221-7283. That is the number to call. Let's go to Roxy. Roxy is next on Pushing the Limits. Hi, Roxy. Hi. Uh, Miss Amber, I just want to tell you thank you very, very much for being. Did we lose Roxy? Go, mm-hmm. go ahead, Roxy. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We lost you for a second. Go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to thank Miss Amber for being, for following the country instead of the party. Mm. I mean, it's just refreshing to hear her. Mm-hmm. I agree. And not. Spreading all of those wackadoo conspiracy theories. <laughs> Amen, Roxy. I mean, Amen. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. honestly, honestly, uh, you did take the question out of my mouth about I was going to ask her how she felt about uh, Roe versus Wade. Gotcha. Uh, you. She did answer that, and that was yeah. uh, pro-choice. Yeah. And I thank her for that. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was she was saying about the. Uh, cannabis bill yeah i think the reason why the money hasn't gone to the school is because it hasn't been passed on a federal mm-hmm. it's still not passed on the mm-hmm. federal I'll level let her, i'll let her and, i'll let her comment on that roxy we're kind of running out of time here but I, I really do appreciate you calling in and i agree with everything you said uh and i, and I appreciate your call did you want to add anything you. to that thank you so much for calling in for yeah. being so kind yeah thank you roxy i appreciate and by the way sweet. i agree with her the fact that you're not a conspiracy theorist and you're not spreading this right-wing propaganda like i said that's why i said a breath of fresh air i wish there were more people like you let's go to fernando 221-7283 by the way the number to call hi Fernando, what's going on? Hi, guys. How are you guys doing today? Good. Good. Um, with the recent violence in our school districts here in Nevada, I'm sure that happened up north, too. Do you think um, all school districts should have metal detectors? Good question. Good, uh, good question. For that. I, I'm sorry to cut you off, Fernando, but we're, we're, we're running short on time. Go ahead and if you want to answer that one. Um, no, I don't think that they should have metal detectors. I think that we do need to up the security in the schools mm-hmm. for sure. Yep. But running our kids through metal detectors. Yeah. I don't believe so. I tend to agree with that as well. I want to give people the information uh, if they want to follow you and learn a little bit more about you, contribute to your campaign. It is AmberWhitley4Gov.com. Yeah, the number four. Yes, the number four, AmberWhitley4Gov.com. Well, Amber, it's been a pleasure having you in studio. Thank Uh, you. Really appreciate it. It was nice meeting you, and you're welcome back anytime. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I said, you're much more pleasant to look at than than, than (laughs) Justin, so I just wanted to be very clear on that. All right. Well, coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, he is known as the poker brat, Phil Helmuth. A little poker controversy took place over the weekend in Las Vegas. We'll explain what happened and the poker brat himself will be joining us next. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Wednesday. So glad you could join us. Now, anybody that knows me knows that uh, I'm a big poker fan. I've been playing poker my whole life. We have Danny Negreanu, Real Kid Poker, on this show pretty much every week we just had him on the other day but i haven't talked to this guy in a while he's certainly one of the most recognizable figures in the history of the game he's got more world series of poker bracelets than anyone else very happy to have on the show right now the poker brat himself phil helmuth phil thanks for joining us how you doing uh, you guys started off with the uh, da, 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 the, <laughs> the lady gaga poker brat it made me smile <laughs> 
Did I? Is, I'm seeing I'm seeing Tiger Jam on Friday night, that, which is a charity poker tournament. Tiger will be there, and uh, and then Lady Gaga, uh, we're seeing in a private concert on Saturday night as part of the Tiger Jam festivities. Isn't it incredible what poker ha- uh, what poker has been able to do for you, not just from a financial standpoint, but the people you're able to <laughs> be friends with, right? Uh, you do talk about this all the time, Tiger Woods being one of them, the people you've played golf with, the people that you've partied with, right? I mean, you've played in poker games with Leonardo DiCaprio, I would imagine, right? You've met all sorts of people that you've become friends with, right? Just in the last month, I was invited to Austin to go to a party hosted by the Winklevoss brothers, <laughs> and uh, one of my best friends, Billy Diplo, was there. And, uh, you know, we knew that Elon Musk was going to be in the house, too. And uh, and and we were going to start by, you know, I was going to start by seeing a lot of my friends and and then uh, and then the party. So it was just going to be a really fun kind of a two day event. It was right in the middle of the U.S. Poker Open. And I'm like, ah, I just need to focus on poker. Right. And then when he opened his factory a couple weeks ago on a Thursday and then he had a party Friday. I was in Chicago doing an event, and I've considered just too much travel, though. Yeah. Well, what do you like? Yeah. It's you're right though. The crazy stuff. Even when I open my mouth, it sounds like name drop, name drop, <laughs> name drop. But but Mr. Beast is a uh, you know uh, is wants me to come and film with him Sunday. Wow. So in L.A. So you know some 8 p.m. start, fifty thousand dollar buy-in poker game. Oh my god. Uh, with Ludlow, who's I guess you know I mean some massive names. It's just it's a weird life. You're right, and all the stuff that's that's kind of been brought to me, and you know, I uh, and I recognize it, and I'm grateful for it. And you've earned you've earned it, though. It's not like anybody gave it to you. You had to earn it at a very young age, winning the World Series of Poker against Johnny Chan. So let's talk about that. Let's talk poker for a moment, and then we can get back to the more fun stuff. So poker. Uh, so Phil, I don't think there's anybody in the poker world that doesn't res- respect what you've accomplished. We all know the great player that you are, right? But you have been getting a lot of criticism over the last several days. You have this heads-up match with Eric, this guy named Eric Pearson, who's an amateur. He's a local businessman. There's no question he was rude to you, right? He's flipping you off. He's saying ridiculous things. Uh, I watched the entire thing. He was rude to you, but the argument. You watched the whole thing. Yeah, I did. I did. I watched every hand. I yeah, watched it's only the- an hour and a half. It makes sense. Yeah, I, I did. I, it, it wasn't that long. But listen, he ran good. He, he ended up defeating you. But it, it's not because you played bad. But you he obviously got to you. I think you would be the first one to admit that. Why did he get to you, number one? And number two, I think you'd be the first one to admit. For you know, There are times where you are extremely, I guess you could use the term rude. I think you're funny at the table, and I love your passion. You're the ultimate competitor. Nobody can take that away from you. But a lot of people are saying, and I sort of agree with it, that, listen, he was very rude to you, but you've been rude to people for years. What would you say to that? Well, I mean, I think people that compare you know apples to oranges this is what this is what our society does right and so there's no perception to the actual truth of what happened you know and that's okay and that's just the way people are they they consume things and you know in one bite and phil acted exactly this way a hundred times in the past exactly this way to the way the guy no it's not even close right um, i never intentionally attacked anyone in my life you can go back and see every single clip that i've ever done it's either they started it and then I then I started barking or they put a bad beat on me mm-hmm. and then then I was out of line and started barking. But, the, but I, I, a lot of people don't know this about you. And I do. When the cameras are not there, you're the same guy. Uh, I've seen it. I've seen you at the World Series of Poker when there is literally not one camera there. And I've seen you blow up off camera. But that's what I appreciate about you. There's nothing fake about you. This is who you are. Right. 
Exactly. But, I mean, you know, so, I mean, the oranges, to, so all the people that said, like, Negranu, you mm-hmm. know, he knows he knows the truth, and we texted back and forth. He knows that I don't just randomly attack people, and yet he goes public and say, this is exactly what Phil did. Da, da, da. It's not exactly. It's not the same thing. But but I'm not trying to proclaim my innocence here. I'm just saying you're comparing apples to oranges. Mm-hmm. I'm also saying that this is my fault. You know, so it's my fault because I've been protected. Everybody's protected, not just me. Everybody's protected at the World Series of Poker. You can't have people go off on you. If they do, you call a floor man and they give them a penalty and they're gone for half an hour. They'll mm-hmm. give a warning and a penalty. So I can't have a, a, an amateur who's a fi- who's, who, who doesn't like me uh, start screaming and yelling at me or start saying all kinds of negative stuff to me at the World Series of Poker. Mm-hmm. And I have to deal with that. No, that's that's so we have rules to protect everybody. Tell from me. That. Tell me if you disagree with me or not, Phil. Wait, uh, let me finish. Fine, oh, let me finish. I'm sorry. So go ahead. My point is this. Yep. I've been protected for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then for, for me to sit down and have somebody who I've never even heard of before just start attacking my legacy, it got to me. That's my fault. Mm-hmm. You understand? I had this, But I was just like, what is going on here? Because because if this happened at the World Series or any tournament, I would call a floor man over and I sure. would say, hey, um, you need to, you know, this guy's out of line. The table yeah. would confirm he's out of line. Yeah, they'd ask, and I get then that. the dealer would confirm he's out of line, and then I'd get protected. I get I that. I would have to deal with it. Let me finish. Yep. And so, so for him, so so so, it, it caught me by surprise, and also, mea culpa. My ego's a little big right now, right? My ego's big. I've been winning everything in sight, you know, uh, for so long. Twelve final tables in my last like fifty world class <laughs> tournaments. No one's ever done this before, yep. and I've been winning all this money in the cash games and online and everywhere I go. And everybody tells me how great I am, and I get texts from presidential candidates. Really? You know? Who? Who? And so what I'm trying to say is my <laughs> ego is out of control. A, a big. I'm going to say big. Yeah. And I blew an opportunity. Yeah. Here's a guy that came and insulted me and was completely out of line. Mm-hmm. Yes, we both agree on that. Sure. And then I handled it poorly. What I should have done is I should have just taken it. Mm-hmm. Because in the past, I would take it when I was prepared for that. I, I should have just taken it. Right. And uh, and then I would have won over a lot of fans and a lot of people yeah. would have said, this guy's an asshole. Look at how well Phil handled himself. I but agree. But no, I fucked up. And so – that's that's me blowing an opportunity because maybe my ego's big and maybe yeah. it was a little unexpected. That was gonna, go. that was going to be my next question. You just made complete sense to me. That was the only thing I was surprised about that you didn't. And, and I'm not saying it's easy to focus on poker when somebody's swearing at you and flipping you off. But you're the ultimate professional. That, that's the only thing that I was surprised about, Phil. That you let it get to do and you didn't put your headphones on. And you didn't just play poker. Do you think it affected your game at all? Uh, no. Um, yeah, at the end a little bit. Right at the end. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. I, I, I let's be fair. To be fair, people have attacked me um, when when we didn't have protection for years and years and years. Right. And you can't let that affect the way you're playing. You right. know, the way I saw the match, and and you know, Ollie the Ollie called me afterwards and said, "I'm sorry, you had to deal with that mm-hmm. in the booth." He hasn't called me in months, and like <laughs> that was just really brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just felt for you. This guy just randomly attacked you, and he's sunrun. He's sun. He was su- on sunrun. In other words, he was getting super, super, super lucky. Right. And uh, he did. 
And, uh, and, and, you know, I look back and I mean, he just like, I'd have ace queen, he'd have queen 10 and right. he'd have all this money in there and he'd hit a 10 on the river and, and not even bet it. Listen, that's... And so he won, he won all of these weird hands. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I gave myself a chance. And if it sure. had been the same format as high stakes duel, right. where I can, where I can make it last six hours, yeah. then, but you know, give him credit, um, mm-hmm. give him credit for the way he played mm-hmm. and. And I went and apologized for my partner. He apologized for his partner. And then the story just kind of disappears. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, you know, you have me on the show today. <laughs> but it's it's right. amazing how, you know, just people apologizing and shaking hands. People like controversy, but they also like, I think, they like it when people are, are big enough to apologize. Right. And but, but you'll be the first one to admit this. Not only are you so popular because of all the tournaments you've won and the World Series of Poker bracelets, but it's your personality. You're fun to watch. You're a fun guy to watch. I'll be honest with you. I like the Phil Helm with blow-ups because they're entertaining. You're an entertaining guy. I know you're not doing it for that reason. You're, you're so competitive, and trust me, I can relate to that. I played two college sports. I get it. But uh, let's talk about that. Where does that come from? Because you seem like the kind of guy that if I'm playing you in Pac-Man, you're going to be angry if you lose. Have you always been that guy, whether it's on the golf course or the poker table? Okay, so it comes from when, all right, so listen, I'm the oldest of five kids, mm-hmm. and my father was really into education. He has a PhD, a JD, and an MBA, mm-hmm. law degree. So it's crazy how many degrees he has. And so grades were important to my dad. And I had ADD, so that's a lot of letters. ADD, PhD, <laughs> MBA. I don't know if you're still following. Me. I am. I am. <laughs> so, so I was the only one of my family that didn't get get great great grades and didn't play an instrument and wasn't great in sports. All right, and so you know, I mean, that was tough on me. So my dad was. So I had to at least win at every game we played, mm-hmm. and I had a competitive advantage for younger one brother and three sisters. Mm-hmm. So I won at every game. And when they finally, when someone would finally beat me in a game, like my brother would roll double six, double five to beat me at backhand, <laughs> I would go crazy because I didn't have anything left in my life. I felt like that I stood for, I'd at least be great at games. And so, so I would have poker brat blow ups against my <laughs> brothers and sisters. If they had, if they dared to beat me at a single game and it didn't happen often, and I'd lose it. And so then when it came to poker, I right away, I was the best player. You know, uh, by the time I was 24, I won the main event. I won a bunch of other tournaments. And so I just kept getting the money in with great hands. Yeah. And then I felt like, you know, I felt like my my um, my self-esteem, which was tied to games, my self-esteem, you know, uh, which shouldn't be tied to games, which shouldn't be tied to poker was affected when someone beat me a hand and they didn't deserve to win it and I would bark and go crazy. Right. So it's something that became very naturally and normally from my childhood and uh, you know, it's just and I think that turned a lot of people off. I figured when they made me into the bad boy of poker in 04, 05 that people would realize that I'm the good guy. Mm-hmm. The one who's never cheated on his wife. The one that's not an alcoholic. The one that doesn't do a lot of drugs. Not that drugs are bad, but and yeah. so I thought, wow, you know, I'm the, I'm the honest, pure guy. And I thought this is, you know, people will realize this. And yet there I am, the bad boy of poker. You know, yeah, but the marketing has been the <laughs> no, marketing. You know this, Brian. Yeah. The poker world loves me. Of course you they do. This, of course. You ask all the professionals and they all say we love Phil. 
Of course, well, anybody who knows you personally knows that you're not a bad guy. The people right. that the people that say you're a bad guy uh, are the people that don't know you. Now, I know a lot of poker players in this city. I'm I'm pretty good friends with Daniel Negreanu. He comes on this show all the time. Mike Matisau, uh, he's sometimes difficult to talk to when I talk politics with him. But uh, but Mike, you know, th- Phil, they all tell me that. Okay, I've been living in this town for 20 years. I know you're a good guy. You're obviously great for poker. But I'll tell you what's not good for poker, and you tell me if you disagree with this or not. Eight or nine internet poker players that are in their early 20s that don't say one word at the poker table. I don't care how good poker they're playing. Don't care. The, the reason why poker was so big after Moneymaker won was partially because of Moneymaker. Because of guys like you and Mike Matisau, guys that talked at the table that were entertaining. What do you make of it now? I mean, the World Series of Poker, it's not even covered other than maybe two or three events on ESPN. And I, the ratings are down. And, and on Poker Go is doing well. I get that. The diehards like to watch poker. It doesn't matter who's playing. But I think these, you know, Internet players are not good for the game. I think guys like you, guys like Danny, who talk a lot, even a guy like a Tony G, right, or, or, or yeah. Antonio Esfandiari, these are guys that are good for poker because they talk. What are your thoughts on that? Well, two things. One, one, 80 million people were watching the World Poker Tour in 2017. Mm-hmm. Now, this year, it's 400 million. So the numbers are up 5x. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Number two, um, uh, number two, Watching, watching the you're right about you're right that it's the personalities and the reason the personalities exist, I think, is because a lot of the top professional poker players in the world had to be entertaining to play with for the billionaires to come and play with us. Mm -hmm. And so the people that were playing in those games all the time that people wanted to play with are personalities. And so then things kind of shifted and changed. And uh, and so, yeah, a new generation. And, and sometimes those guys don't carry the ball as far as personalities go. They don't carry the ball as far as being professional entertainers go. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. It's, it's taken a little bit of an effect on poker. And I want to say one last point. Sure. <clears throat> when we are we're talking about 2019, <clears throat> one weekend they had a, a, a million guarantee in Philly. Uh, a two million two million guarantee in Philly. They had a million guarantee in Northern California and a million guarantee in Southern California. Three hundred, three hundred, and five hundred dollar buying tournaments. You did a ton of people hit these guarantees. They all went flying over. So that showed me at the end of two thousand nineteen that poker was super, super healthy at the low stakes. Hmm. Right? I mean, if you call that low stakes, I right. mean for me that's low stakes. Mm-hmm. I'll be in a game today where I could win or lose two hundred thousand playing with my friends, <laughs> which is actually a lot for me. Maybe three hundred swing today, wow. but but I'm talking about poker being, you know, I'm talking about poker just blowing up, mm-hmm. but no one knew. Yeah. And so there's a lot of hidden numbers out there to suggest that poker is, you know, listen, what did we do? We went oh five. Oh, seven. Oh, we just kept going up. And then we all agreed that poker started falling yeah. after online poker left. Sure. Yeah. I, I, and yeah, I also find it interesting that there's a whole new generation that's really into poker. I mean, I talked to some of the Warriors players that are really young and they want to play. And, you know, I'm going to have to play hundred dollar buy ins, <laughs> you know, to kind of because I think they're going to be fun to play with. And. And then I talked to, you know, it, it's amazing how it seems like a lot of the 18 to 22-year-olds now are into poker. And we had a generation that wasn't quite as much into poker as the other generations. But now we have grandmothers, family members, everybody seems poker. 
just keeps growing and growing and growing. And you look at the number of networks poker is on. Right. You know, that's crazy. Yeah. You're yeah. like, oh, it's only in two places. No. no. Go look at, go scan your channels. Yeah, you're and right. See how many times poker. And then you have these huge live streams. You're right. You know, that, yeah. that have really was, taken off and are seeing record. Numbers. You're right. I was watching poker on CBS Sports the other day. I didn't even know a poker was on CBS Sports. If you're just joining us, he is the poker brat, Phil Hamath. Phil, I got another five minutes here, so let's have some fun uh, before we got to go. Uh, you mentioned some of the Warriors players reaching out to you. I would imagine you've played poker with some of the most famous people on the planet. Uh, you mentioned some presidential candidates uh, reach out to you. Do you care to share? I'm just so curious what politicians reach out to you. Can you share any names? Well, because we filmed with Ted Cruz. So, you know, and listen, I'm, I'm neither a Democrat or a Republican. Now, right. Yang is supposed to film with us, too. Hmm. So um, uh, the Ted Cruz that I met, uh, I liked, but I watched him. I watched him on stage against right. Trump. But the Ted Cruz that I liked was reasonable, smart, fun. Will you be playing poker forward. with him in the Cancun, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to stay away from that controversy. Fair enough. And I'll say that Yang, but I mean both sides. And you talk about right now, there's articles about the Supreme Court justices that are playing poker. Because I knew that I knew that there were two or three of them. I knew that, you know, two of them were playing uh, poker um, years ago. And so now we have two Supreme Court justices that are playing poker pretty regularly. And now they're talking about it. Wow. And so, you know, uh, Obama. You know, he he had a he had a game in the White House. President Clinton, you know, uh, Clinton, I've done events for a bunch of times. Did you play in that um, game with Obama ever? I did not. No. I would have flown for the White House just for that. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time I was in D.C., I reached out to some people who were going to set up a game with, you know, with two of the Supreme Court justices. Wow. Which I would love to have played in. And but it's just now that they've started to go public, uh, I guess a few weeks ago, I think it was yeah. if you look up Supreme Court Justice Poker, you'll see an interview that one of them just did. And so one of the female Supreme Court justices and I'm, I'm just not recalling names, but it's pretty cool to me to see, you know, uh, and I would love to play poker in the White House, whether that's with a Democrat or Republican. I'm flying in. Yeah, I, I just it's amazing your life and what poker has given you. Uh, and I'm not talking just financially. You know, we talked about this to start the interview, the celebrities that you become friends with and, you know, NBA players reaching out to you. It's so crazy. All right. Last thing, Phil. Uh, so we had Danny Negreanu on a few days ago. Wait, wait, wait. You want my Tiger Woods story? Yes, please. Give me a Tiger Woods story. <laughs> OK, so I am his event every year. Um, and so I'm seeing it this year on Friday night. Yeah. And then Tiger and I will probably smoke a cigar. We'll drinks. We'll have a few drinks, and we'll play high stakes blackjack with each other, which we've done a bunch. And so, I mean, I go to I go to give my 16th World Championship race away to Sky Dayton, and uh, one of my one of my old friends, right? And so, and the only reason I flew in is because I haven't seen him since the series ended in November, and I'm like, I had had a trip to LA, I canceled mm-hmm. the trip, and I'm like, I'm flying in one night to meet with my guys, so I fly in. My guy, David Sachs, at the table. Some other guys whose names they don't want mentioned. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And I was looking to myself, billionaire, billionaire, billionaire. And that's how they make fun of me. Billionaire, they're st- billionaire, billionaire, billionaire. And everybody's <laughs> laughing because that's how they tease me, right? I'm, I'm the known as the billionaire wrangler on TikTok. And, like, and they're like, Phil, you know every billionaire in here. And so we, at the last minute, switched to Nobu, Malibu. So we're on the balcony there. And it's just, it's amazing to me. The energy is great. I'm with a bunch of my best friends. 
and I give my 16th bracelet to Sky Dayton, and then I get tapped on the shoulder, and it's Tiger. And Michelle Bemis, who runs his charity, right? I'm like, holy shit, Tiger! <laughs> oh my god! So now Tiger has had 15 majors, and I had 15 world championships, right? And I'm on the mic with him for 10 years straight, so I'm always teasing him, 15, 15. You know what I mean? And the numbers have changed over the years, you right? Know, I, he was ahead of me. I caught him, and so I'm like, Tiger, I'm, is it okay if I tease you? I asked him which I know he wants to be teased. Him and Michael Jordan, when I'm with those, they want to be teased. Right. They don't want freaking praise. Praise is corrosive. Right. He's like, yeah. And I say, Sky, give me my 16th bracelet. Or his 16th bracelet now. Right. And as I pull it out, I'm going to, I'm, my plan is to say, this is what it's like to have 16, bitch. Because <laughs> I know he's going to laugh and love it and have fun with it. You know I mean? Because... <sighs> He wants to be teased. Yeah. And I pull it out and I say, this is my 16th. And Tiger says to me, says, Phil, oh, my God, Phil, I'm so proud of you. I knew you could do it. How cool is that? The best golfer to ever live saying that to you. And by the way, I was just like, yeah. I can't go with the 16 bitch line anymore. <laughs> you know, who knows? Maybe he gets to 16. Uh, you know, but it made my it really made yeah. my weekend. And my friends were like, "That was Tiger Woods that just came up to you." Like, How yeah, cool yeah. is that? That that's an unbelievable story. And we're so glad Tiger's doing better and he's playing again. Um, all right, Phil. So I had Danny Negreanu on a few days ago. He said you blocked him on Twitter, and then you recently added him back on. Unfortunately, I was one of those victims as well. Is there any chance pushing limits LV could get back on Twitter with you? Okay, hold on. It might be something I should do right now. <laughs> We're going to do this. Say to me? I, no, I didn't. Lying? No, I didn't say anything. I think I did what Daniel did, and I said I, I made a joke. I think I, I'm trying to remember the joke I made, but I made a joke. I said Phil Helmuth calling the floor to kick somebody out of pushing a room. Pushing limits. What? Pushing limits. LV. The joke I made, Phil, was. Phil Helmuth calling the floor and kicking somebody out for acting rude is like Donald Trump trying to kick out a politician for lying. It was just a joke. It was just a joke. That's all. That's not that bad, is it? You're unblocked. Oh, uh, yes. Like, again, I didn't like the oranges. To, I didn't like the oranges <laughs> to apples comparisons that people made. I understand. And I blocked more people this week <laughs> than I've ever blocked. And I blocked a lot of people on Twitter for years. But it's you got to understand, Brian. Yes. If I do something wrong. Mm-hmm. And you're unblocked now. Thank you. If I do something wrong, okay, like if I like I lost it at the World Series, I threatened to burn the place down. Right, but right. they didn't show that I said I'm going to tell a joke, and I shouldn't say it. And I said, but if I don't win this, I'll burn the place down. It's an old school thing that Sam Grizzle and the guys people are idiots if they thought the you were going to do it. And they'd yeah. say they'd be buried. They'd have this negative look on their face. Of course, if I don't get out today. I'm going to burn this place down. We'd all laugh. Nobody takes so it seriously. As a joke. Yeah. Now, of course, they cut it. Out right. the joking part to Stupid. make me look maximally bad. Yeah. Well, that's dumb. Every time I do something that's on the line or a little bit bad, yeah. it seems like hundreds of people come out on Twitter. It's like, hey, it's now it's 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 right. time to like shoot Phil. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's time to it's time to it's time to blast yeah. Phil with negativity. Yeah. Well, and I'm that's like, wrong. all right, that's now wrong. Is the time where I'm going to block. Nobody should be thinking that you ever uh, should, took that statement and made it serious. It, those people are morons. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, you have been great for poker. You've always been my favorite player to watch. I'm not saying this to kiss your ass. I'm saying that because I mean it. Uh, you're an entertaining guy to watch besides being one of the best to ever play the game. Uh, and I always appreciate uh, your time when you come on, Phil. And uh, thank you so much for being here, my man. And have some fun with Tiger this weekend, all right? I sure will. Thanks, and Lady Gaga. Oh, Later, I'm, so, I'm so jealous. All right, thanks, Phil. I appreciate your time. <laughs> he is the best, isn't he? The poker brat, Phil Helmuth. I love his honesty. 
You know, I love his honesty. Uh, by the way, can anyone look me in the eye and say he's not been great for the game of poker? You know, whether you don't like his etiquette at the table or not, if you'd rather watch a bunch of boring people at the poker table, uh, come on, he's Phil Helmuth. And we appreciate him taking the time to join us. I'm unblocked! The poker brat just unblocked me live on the radio. That, that was pretty cool. Uh, hey, tomorrow on the show, we got some fun. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. The man who made the racist jokes at that, uh, what do you call it, the, 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 the firearm event? The CCW. Yeah, the guy who made those racist jokes. It made national news out here in Las Vegas. He's joining me in studio tomorrow. And one, a music icon, a legend, an alternative rock legend is going to be joining me tomorrow on the show. We all know Allison Chains, the great Jerry Cantrell will be joining me tomorrow as well. Uh, by the way, a poker player, Jerry, I've played poker against Jerry Cantrell before, great guy. Uh, so Jerry Cantrell will be joining us. And as I mentioned, the guy who made those racist jokes, uh, he's going to be uh, joining us as well to, to answer to that. Uh, thanks to all my guests, by the way, Amber Whitley. The poker brat, Phil Helmuth, joining us as well, as well as NFL great Roman uh, Oban. That's been a great uh, been a great show, everybody. All right, have a great day. Uh, tomorrow, same time, same place. Take care, everybody.